Since you've been gone, things ain't the same And it's a damn shame Cause I seen better days Since I lost you Nights have got longer in my days Cold sunshine Can get you off the mind And every time I feel the touch of someone new I don't feel any stronger Cause all I know is this hell that I've gone through Good morning, good morning, good morning That's Grant Jones and the Pistol Grip Lasso Since I Lost You Cable Smith here with you Welcoming each and everybody to the Lone Star Outdoor show presented by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. That one takes me back some time to uh, like my second, the second half of my illustrious seven-year college career after I transferred from Baylor to the University of North Texas, got my head out of my rear end and decided I didn't want to wear a suit and tie to work every day. I was going to do radio, be a big-time sports broadcaster. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, Grant Jones and I would hang out at the Fry Street Tavern in Denton, Texas. And I wouldn't say we became best buds, but drinking buddies for sure. And come to find out, he had himself a little band called Grant Jones and the Pistol Grip Lassos. And uh, that's one of my favorites from them. I think Grant is like doing real estate or something now. Don't know. I kind of lost touch with him, but still love his tunes. Um, thank you guys for being here. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. And we've got a great show lined up for you today. Oh, one other note, though, real quick, before I forget. Uh, anybody have ideas on how to prevent kiddos from getting seasick? Still looking for a remedy for Henry because I'd love to take him red snapper fishing, but we'd be going like, uh, 40 miles offshore in a couple weeks. Uh, so email if you have a solution or an idea other than Dramamine because uh, I hear it makes them pretty, like, almost drunk and drowsy. Uh, email it to LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. Thank you in advance to uh, any of the parents who have experienced similar stuff with their kiddos. Um, here's what's on the docket for today. So pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up Stanley Thermos, the one granddaddy passed down years ago. Because off the top, we're going to visit with our friend Brian Lynn of the Sportsman's Alliance. We've got some great news coming from Alaska where the Trump administration reversed an Obama-era federal overreach when uh, the feds decided to start meddling in Alaskan wildlife management. And so we're going to get into that, plus some other pressing anti-hunting legislation that is currently out there. They want to ban beaver trapping in Oregon, for example. What? Beavers? Seriously? Talk about having profound and unwanted effects on the environment. Uh, beavers need to be trapped, not extirpated, but managed. I mean, geez, just the some of the stuff that these anti-hunters put out there just mind-blowing, the negative impact that most of it would have on wildlife and conservation. I mean, they're just sheep. Someone tells them or an organization tells them something, and they take it as the Bible. So I'm going to do my damnedest to keep fighting the good fight, no matter how discouraging and hopeless it seems sometimes when you're talking to these people. Uh, but I don't know what else to do. 
we've got to somehow get the truth out there. Uh, so that's why Sportsman's Alliance is so important, in my opinion, because they keep tabs on 50 states worth of legislation that could negatively impact hunting and trapping. So anyway, Brian will be here and we'll get into a, a myriad of those discussion points. Then we will take uh, my last Tom from this season, thaw him out, and head to the kitchen for two wild turkey preparations that I created in the past week that, oh my gosh, absolute home runs. The kids loved it. I had uh, friends and family over for one of the meals, and they thought it was incredible. And, And they're so simple, both of these dishes. One is a fried buffalo bacon ranch wild turkey sandwich that is to die for. And that was totally inspired by my previous favorite buffalo chicken sandwich from George's Bar in Waco, Texas. That goes back to the first part of that illustrious college career. And then I followed that up by using the rest of the turkey breast for some Lone Star beer, pulled turkey tacos topped off with a homemade red cabbage slaw. Like total between the slaw and the turkey is like eight ingredients. So very simple under 30 minutes prep time. I'm going to tell you all about that one as well at the bottom of the hour. So that's what's on the show for today. Going to be a good one. And I'm glad that you're here. Let's do a quick giveaway. How about one of those Vortex Nation Texas t-shirts? And, uh, you know, if you're not from Texas, because I'd say half of our audience listens to the podcast outside of the Lone Star State, uh, then I will send you the Vortex t-shirt of your choice. You can just go to their website and pick one out. And that uh, that will be today's prize. So all you need to do to enter is simply email the word Vortex to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Up next, we check in with our old friend, Brian Lynn of the Sportsman's Alliance on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. You know me, I'm doing just fine. Cigarettes and that are all been keeping me alive. I've been going right back to a special time. Hey guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up, rob you blind. Well, you just attach the coon stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and (laughs) the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They basically attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel, just like that. It's the coon stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com. I found her on the first warm day Rain had washed the snow away Gone for wood and lost her way back home And I ain't the kind believes in ghosts But some nights I get pretty close When the North Dakota went among There's a sad little love song for you, Chris Knight, North Dakota back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you today. Thank you so much for being a part of today's presentation. Also, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, 
our presenting sponsors. We've got some interesting stuff to get into with our good friend Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. But before we take a look at some of the more pressing anti-hunting legislation out there, uh, this segment of the show brought to you by Vortex Optics and the completely revamped Vortex Wear lineup. They've got all sorts of cool stuff. And, you know, you, you've come to know Vortex as a company that has some pretty cool and creative shirts and hoodies and caps. But now they've got shorts, button-up shirts, uh, tactical stuff as well. And here's the cool thing. You'll save 20% off your Vortex Wear order when you use my promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at VortexOptics.com. That's 20% off all Vortex apparel. All right. Let's bring on our first guest today, joining us from somewhere in Washington State, hopefully not from Chaz, however. It's my pleasure to welcome Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Great to be here. My pleasure. So are you still uh, are you still up in Washington? Still up in Washington, still waiting for it to get warm up here. It's rainy and cold, and I think we've hit 80 once, and it was like, 54 degrees on saturday so yeah it's uh i'm ready for summer to start but you're uh you're you're there in city hall in that uh make-believe city of Chaz, correct <laughs> <laughs> i stay as far away from that side of the mountains as i can i'm as close to idaho as i can get without being in idaho i need to move another mile and a half east so i get out of here oh my god i can't believe what's going on up there but i can believe it <laughs> Seattle. Only in Seattle. You know, I used to want to visit Seattle. I mean, obviously they have great seafood, and um, yeah, I just thought oh, that'd be a cool road trip to maybe go like see the, the Rangers play the Mariners or something. Um, can't really say that I'm interested in that anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I lived there. I don't know, 20 years ago, and I mean, it was gorgeous. In July and August, there's no more beautiful place on the planet. I mean, it is gorgeous. But outside of that, and yeah, the rain and weather is just not good and then uh it's just gone so crazy in the last 20 years or so that i don't even like going over there that's just a leftist cesspool is all it is (laughs) for sure yeah um but anyway we're we're not gonna dwell on that what uh what's new with you And, and i know you guys went back to the office but i guess you're still working remotely from your parents place uh, no, I was just uh, visiting parents last time, taking care of dad, okay. uh, who started chemo and stuff. But uh, I'm here, and uh, yeah, everybody else went back to the office, but I work remote anyways. Okay. So like this whole COVID pandemic thing, uh, nothing really changed for me. I don't like people anyway, so I stay <laughs> inside and <laughs> or go outside somewhere away from people. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, everybody's back in the office now, but okay. yeah, doesn't make any difference to me. I'm still here in my little bedroom office. Right on. Well, so I, I want to talk about one thing specifically today. Um, it has everything to do with this recent reversal in Alaska by the uh, Trump administration. But before we get into that, because we are going to spend a decent amount of time on that, um, what's grabbing you in the headlines right now as far as anti-hunting legislation? What's concerning to you currently? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get into the Alaska thing, but... Uh... Well, let's see. The the big one is probably the California taxidermy bill. They, they've been trying to push this for a while now. A couple of years ago, they did it, and the governor actually it went through both chambers and 
made it to the last governor, and we said, oh, this is done, and he vetoed it, which surprised all of us. Hmm. And uh, it's basically any of a certain list of African species of animals, you know, elephants, rhinos, leopards, lions, even hyenas, zebras, I think, um, giraffe. It, you can't import or possess, even possess them, mm -hmm. the taxidermy parts. So, like, you go to a safari in Africa, shoot whatever, a hyena, you can't bring the cured hide or have it taxidermied and have that in your house. Hmm. Even possession would be a crime, which would be even shipping it through on UPS to a different state would potentially be an issue. Wow. And so... This is passing through the houses and they're having meetings, but now they've made an amendment to it. Instead of it just being this taxidermy African species bill, they've tied the whole COVID pandemic to it, saying, adding an amendment saying banning live wet markets hmm. in the state, which are pretty much already non-existent, I believe, yeah. uh, just tying into the fear of COVID and saying, oh, we can't have these things, let's ensure it, and seizing on that media and, and the fear around that and kind of diverting the attention off of what the bill actually is. So that's a, that's so that's a big one. That that's is, the development, because we had talked about this previously and just how uh, idiotic it is for them to say you can't be in possession of a a zebra or a giraffe or, or lion or any of the, any of those animals that you legally paid to help support conservation. I mean, when you went in on that hunt, you're funding conservation, and so yeah. the, and, and it's done done in accord with you know U.S. customs. It's done in accord with you know our national alliances or our national laws, and then also with international law. And, you know, it has to be approved. It's only from range countries that support and have good conservation measures in place. You know, you're doing it legally. Mm -hmm. Now here the state stepping outside the national boundaries and saying, no, no, we're going to stop this, you know. And it's bringing the hides back, and it's just a backdoor way of stopping hunting. If you can't bring something home to show, you know, you reduce the number of people that are interested in, in going and doing it. The feds aren't innocent either they for example let's take polar bears well you know if you're a canadian or if you're a mexican you can go up there and do a polar bear hunt and take it back if you're an american you can't i mean it's just yeah absolutely the polar bears are still getting shot that's the thing is the uh the inuits are they're either shooting them themselves or they're uh selling the hunts to whoever and they're doing it for you know more of a discounted rate it's like um you know, when we had th those species, the African species, the three amigos, the oryx, dama gazelle, and the um, the addicts, when feds got involved and said, hey, we're going to make it harder for you to sell hunts in Texas for those three species. Well, every exotic game ranch had a wholesale on those hunts. It's like, okay, well, we don't want to pay to feed them. <laughs> come, come shoot yeah. them for 1000 bucks when they used to be $5,000. Uh, it, it, everything still dies under the animal rights, you know, uh, system. Yeah. And the animals still die. That's the greatest fallacy is they act like they're saving it and they purport to save these animals. They all still die, you know, here in Washington with the ban on hounds 
you know, the mountain lions are just being killed by by the state at a cost to the taxpayer. Yeah. They all still die. You just don't see pictures of it and they get wasted. They don't get used. The hide and the head and the meat don't get used. That point, and we've hit on that point with various guests a bunch of times over the years, is the fact that these states, Washington, California, come to mind specifically. It's a great time to be a government paid trapper in those states. Yeah. Um, but if those state agencies really believed in conservation, they should leak those photos of the trappers in like these, you know, ditches that these animals get tossed in. That's what we need is for people to actually see what's happening because it's like a, a hush hush. The like, you know, uh, Idaho yeah, fishing game, for example, I know for a fact that they shoot wolves out of helicopters, but they never post a picture of it because they don't want the, they don't want to offend the, you know, the snowflakes out there. But maybe if they did, and all these morons realize what's really happening to those animals. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a pipe dream, but I think hey, maybe yeah. that would make well, a it's difference. It's not even it's not even so much as the state. I mean, the state wasn't against hounding and baiting or anything else. It was passed by ballot initiative. So the state is handcuffed. The so, general like, population the state, voted for that? Yes. And oh, that's where man. you get the Seattle people. The I-5 corridor from, you know, Bellingham, Washington to San Diego, California makes the rules for the states. Mm -hmm. So all they have to do is put up an emotional message and say this isn't sporting and show some something in a trap or hounds or whatever. And the general population, the voting block, Seattle, L.A., San Francisco, Eugene, Portland, passes the bill for the entire state. Yeah. If the state's handcuffed, there's nothing they can do about it except enforce it because they have to under law. And those voting blocks don't have to pay for the consequences and repercussions of the mismanagement. Yeah. Well, see, so we're seeing the same thing in Colorado Colorado right now with the, the wolf reintroduction. They are going to vote in November, the general populace, on whether or not to reintroduce wolves. And I've been talking about what a dangerous precedent that would set. I didn't realize that Washington State already had set that precedent. So, oh yeah, they've uh, they've been doing it for years. I mean, 1996 is when they, you know, banned hounding and bait use of hounds and bait for bears and lions. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you can still use it for deer and elk. Um, and then in 2006, they banned trapping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they've been doing it for a long time. And so it's, it's set by that. So even the state, you know, even if they don't want to do it, they're forced to do it. Okay. So that's what's going on in California. Where is it? Where does it sit right now? Uh, it's in, it's, uh, has another hearing scheduled for the 18th on Thursday. So it's just moving along. It's in another committee now and, uh, in another hearing. So mm -hmm. it's moving through, through their Senate right now. Okay. Well, obviously, in Oregon, we just killed. Uh, there was a trapping ban proposal uh, that an environmentalist group put up uh, to end beaver trapping in Oregon. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I saw yeah. that headline on your Instagram page. Beaver trapping. Yeah, and we, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Stop beaver trapping, and I can't imagine the destruction that would follow that in Oregon. I mean, we get so much rain <laughs> up there. That's the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of dumb yeah. things coming from the anti-hunting uh, <laughs> side. But, hey, let's uh, let's stop beaver trapping so that we can ab absolutely destroy the wildlife ecosystems in our state. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but thankfully that just came across that, uh, that was killed, uh, last late last week. So we'll be putting something out this week about it. Um, so we, we were able to stop them in Oregon there. So, so that's good news. Win for the good guys. So that's good. Yeah. We need more of those. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break, come back and we'll get into this whole Alaska ordeal as, uh, let's put it mildly. If you read the the inflammatory headlines from the left, but we'll, uh, we'll discuss next. Perfect, buddy. That segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the WXA or WXV. The uh, WXA is the AT&T model, the WXV, Verizon. So whichever cell provider works best at your ranch or lease, uh, that's the one you should go with. It's awesome. The camera sends live updates to the app on my phone every time something walks in front of it. And you can set it to upload as frequently as you want. I have mine all set on instant. So check it out. It's the latest and greatest from Stealth Cam, the WXA or WXV. You can find it at StealthCam.com. We'll be right back with more from Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Columbia is world-renowned for its beauty and wildlife, and Vancouver Island is revered as a magical place by hunters. Vancouver Island Coastal Bear Adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18-inch minimum skulls in the 6.5 to 7.5-year range. They also have Roosevelt elk tags and only take Boone and Crockett bulls each fall. 60% of their guiding area is located on private land. So whether you're looking for a Boone or black bear, once-in-a-lifetime Roosevelt elk, or a giant cougar, They've got the hunt for you. Visit VancouverIslandBearHunt.com to book your hunt today. That's VancouverIslandBearHunt.com. Howdy, folks. I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. I hope you live long enough to forget half the stuff they've taught you. And when it's all said and done, I hope you've got your own set of rules to hang on to. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show down in the Bowery. The name of that one from. Alejandro Escovedo, great tune there. I thank you guys and gals, by the way, for being here, sharing a part of your week with me as we've still got Brian Lynn, our friend from Sportsman's Alliance, here on the line with us. And we're going to dive back into that conversation momentarily. But first, this segment of the show brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. A second-generation-owned Texas tradition in the whitetail industry. And get this, all seasons, American-made with American ingenuity. None of that Chinese-manufactured baloney. Nope. 
Made right here in Texas, by the way. You can find their entire lineup of blinds and feeders at allseasonsfeeders.com. Uh, well, let's pick it back up with Brian Lynn, who was nice enough to stick around. Certainly appreciate it, brother. You betcha. Thank you. So the biggest thing that I've seen as far as um, legislation during this whole COVID thing has been what happened in Alaska. And this goes back to a 2015 Obama administration federal overreach is how I'm going to put it. Um, But essentially, the feds came in and told the state of Alaska, look, in national parks, you're no longer going to have the ability to manage your own wildlife, correct? Yep, yep. They came in and said uh, they did a rule change and for parks and preserve lands. And then later they did it for refuges, wildlife refuges, um, where hunting is allowed. And they changed the definition of predator management. And they did it in a way that pretty much anything was anything and everything was caught within its web. If it affected the predator prey balance in any way, it was considered predator management. And, and then it would fall under the Fed's jurisdiction on those lands. Mm-hmm. But that's not how state and federal wildlife management works. It's a cooperative deal. Yes, it's federal land. But those species, the bag limits, methods of take, season dates are all set by the state in accordance with their goals, with their management policies and everything else. So they change the rules and then. I mean, you know, can you imagine if they try to do this on what amount, little amount of public land we had in Texas, but just say, hey, uh, we're going to tell you how to manage your own white tailed deer now. Yeah, like people yeah. would be, then, they would lose their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the way, and and we're talking like the land up there. I can't remember how many millions of acres it was, but it would it was would have been the equivalent of Montana, mm-hmm. the entire state of Montana. You know, Alaska is just so vast, and so they did it up there, and they changed the rules, and fast forward, Congress undid the wildlife refuge ruling. But the the rule change for preserves and uh, national parks was too far in the past. They couldn't undo it. It had to be done by by a rule change to change those rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, our lawsuit continued. We dismissed the part about the refuges once Congress undid it. And then it was continued with the preserves, and we kept fighting that, and then did a stay, and we sat there working with, uh, you know, everybody on that side, and had our contingency of the Alaska Alaska Professional Hunters Association, and have been working with it, and uh, yeah, we finally got it, they, they finally changed the rules back to what it should be. Right. But if you look at the headlines that you're seeing now, it's just, I mean, fake news. The Trump administration's assault on Alaska's wildlife continues. That one's from Defenders of Wildlife. No surprise there. This one's from Reuters, though. Trump administration ends ban on killing Alaska bear cubs, wolf pups. Uh, There's inflammatory ones in the Washington Post, New York Times, which unfortunately have, you know, really widespread distribution. And it's all the same stuff. It's Trump ends ban on killing cubs, pups. In dens, yeah, you know, just make it as inflammatory as possible, and then they'll have a yeah. picture of Trump there, like he's some a hole that actually believes that we should be going into dens clubbing 
wolf pups. <laughs> just like, yeah. And, and, well, and they act like this, you know, was some big change. This was policy for the last 40 years. Yeah. It was only changed in, you know, 2015, 2016. And so this has been policy for 40 years. And the kicker is it doesn't apply to you and I. It doesn't yeah. apply to your everyday hunter, your sport hunter. This applies to the native Inuits and the native uh, indigenous people of Alaska. And it applies in some instances to biologists in very specific locations under very sp specific circumstances that has gone through many checks and balances of approvals to do so. Yeah. And, so it's, and basically it, it makes it sound like we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It points, it, it paints that it paints a picture that hunters are going in there. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. I had a guy on my Facebook page who was casually interested in hunting and he sent me a link to one of these headlines, and he's like, hey, I want to get your take on this. How can you guys say you're conservationists if you're going to be going into uh, bear dens while they're hibernating and clubbing them? You know I mean? Like, whoa, 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 dude. That's not who we are, and we don't condone that. You know, and then he sends a, another guy sends a link to, I guess somebody actually did do this in Alaska uh, and was charged, was caught and charged, but went in and killed a, mama, a sow and her cubs in her den. During this ban, which didn't, wouldn't have mattered, it was he didn't have a license or anything. It was illegal what he did. Yeah, and they're saying they're using him as an example of oh, here's a hunter that did it. I was like, that guy's a poacher. You can't. And yeah. then he couldn't really understand the difference between a hunter and a poacher because I was like, no hunter would do that. He goes, well, you don't know every hunter in North America. How do you know? And I was like, well, you just sent me a link to some dude who clearly isn't a hunter. I'm telling you that sportsmen. Have no, we wouldn't take pride in doing that. That's a, something we'd be ashamed of. We hold ourselves to a well, higher standard. And here's the kicker of that is they repealed these rules. Most of them were already prohibited by the state anyways. They, they didn't mention that when they made these rule changes. You know, if you read the story that we put up on the website and Instagram and Facebook, it, most of this stuff was already prohibited by the state. So the feds re reversed it and made it sound like they were doing this great big thing. But the state, it was already prohibited by the state, you know. So, uh, so much of what they're saying is not true. It's spun. It sounds like we're all going up to Alaska and my bears are asleep. We're clubbing them. The, the, the grizzly stuff is like one small preserve in northwest Alaska above the Arctic Circle. And it's an indigenous subsistence form of hunting that mm -hmm. they do. Like it's putting meat on the table of these tribes people, you know, it, the wolf killing in the den was by biologists in where they have an overabundance of predators and it's having a negative effect on the caribou herds. Right. And right. The moose. So it's to bring those back into balance and reduce the, the wolf population in those areas. But you know, the anti-hunters don't care about caribou. They only care about apex predators. That's what gets them all excited. Mm. Yeah. Brings the money in. Screw the caribou. <laughs> we don't care. You know, we just don't want you to touch wolves. Well, okay, but by removing X percentage of wolf population, we can increase X percentage of caribou population and bring it back from a very detrimental level. No, no, no. We don't care. Don't kill the wolves. I mean, it just doesn't make any yeah. sense at all. It's like, well, it's it's a media war and it's a fundraising war. You know, if you hold up a caribou it's not going to bring in as much money as if you hold up this iconic 
you know, what do they call them? Charismatic megafauna yeah. of a wolf or a grizzly bear. Those bring in big bucks. Yeah. You know, it's same fight we have delisting the Yellowstone grizzly bear and the Great Lakes wolves. Same issue and same thing going on in Alaska. Here's the one from the Washington. Oh, no, this one's from the New York Times. Trump administration revives banned hunting techniques in Alaska. And then the sub uh, title is baiting grizzly bears with donuts soaked in bacon grease using spotlights to blind and shoot hibernating black bear mothers and their cubs in their dens, gunning down swimming caribou from motorboats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it, the only thing that would apply to sport hunting would be baiting grizzly bears. Yeah. The other things are subsistence hunters, indigenous people, you know, and it's like here we are in this political climate, everything going on. And now you're is the left suddenly saying that we should be taking away and once again breaking our promises to the Native American peoples, yeah. you know, and, and and these things were all guaranteed. And there's like three federal uh, agreements. These are agreed to, including the Statehood Act, like Alaska came into the union. And this was one of the things that were listed. They get to control their fish and wildlife. You know, it was done in the. Uh, the National Wildlife Refuge uh, Act that uh, revised everything in 1997. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's in like three different federal federal compacts that they are in charge of this, and these are the terms that they are agreeing to. And the Obama administration just overruled all that, and once again backtracked on a promise to the indigenous people. Well, and the feds have a a long history of backtracking and crawfishing on things just like we saw in the 94 uh 95 was it 94 95 when they reintroduced wolves into montana wyoming and uh idaho it's one of the two but you know the promise was okay when there's 100 wolves and 10 breeding pairs in in each state we're going to turn over control back to the state and you know 20 years later they're still locked up in court battles because well, the states should never trust the feds when they come in and say they're going to do something uh, when it comes to... Well, it's not even so much the feds, though, because once you get to that point, now the environmentalists and the animal rights movement step in and they file lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Now you have to go through the process of well, law. Yeah. I mean... That was the problem. You know, so. delisting wolves, uh, you know, the shoot, in the Great Lakes states where we've been fighting this lawsuit for 10, 12 years now, um, the feds for Trump administration, for the Obama administration, for the Bush administration, I think even for the Clinton maybe, um, are, we're all in favor of delisting it. We can't get them delisted because yeah. they keep fighting it in court and the court keeps running injunctions. And we're seeing the same parallel with the grizzly bear delisting outside Yellowstone National Park. Well, they don't. people don't realize there's more wolves in the Great Lakes state than there are out west. I mean, like, I think... Oh, yeah. Is it Minnesota that has like 5,000? Something like that. It's either Michigan or Minnesota. Um, and then Wisconsin obviously has a, a problem with their deer herd as well, which we've talked about on the show. But, yeah, they've got, I think, like 8,000 wolves, they estimate, up there in the, the Great Lakes region. Yeah, they never went away. They were never extirpated from the area. So mm-hmm. they've always been there, and they moved back and forth from Canada and stuff. And uh, they're, yeah, well, well over any threshold that was ever put down. For delisting, but then it becomes a argument, a red tape argument, you know, and law and the effect it has on other populations, and that's the argument we see right now is 
okay, fish and wildlife. The judge has said you have to go back and go through all these processes and jump through all these hoops and show that if the population drops here in the Great Lakes, what effect does that have on the Rocky Mountain wolves, the wolves here in Washington, and these other populations of wolves? And we're seeing the same argument and the same parallel with the grizzly bear population. They're like, well, yeah, you're right. They're over the threshold and they've met every threshold there is to be delisted. But if they suddenly drop, what impact does that have on the northern continental divide grizzly bears in Montana? And what does it have to do with Washington and, you know, these? Uh, so they're making them go through all these hoops <laughs> and show the cause and effect. Well, it has nothing to do with them. <laughs> yeah. 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 I so mean, they're geographically, they're so far apart. What, what the hell? It's, you know, apples and oranges. They're, they're, they have nothing to do with each other. Uh, one other One other interesting thing on that. Going back to that post that that guy made on Facebook trying to understand, where I was trying to explain the difference between a hunter and a poacher, uh, another lady chimed in on there saying, well, wolves are endangered. You guys shouldn't be hunting them or killing them anyway. And I was like, lady, this isn't Alaska. Wolves have never been uh, protected in Alaska, and they're not endangered uh, whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> or they, or these biologists wouldn't want the ability to go in there and remove part of the population. There's so much when people start talking about this stuff, especially endangered species, they're endangered. You know, we, we see the same thing in Africa. The elephants are endangered. The next question you should ask is where? Where right. are they endangered? Right. They're not. Wolves aren't endangered in Alaska, never have been. The wolves in Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana aren't endangered. Yeah. I mean, the elephants legally, in Botswana, they're overpopulated. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you just can't say that because, you know, there's no pheasants in Florida. We shouldn't hunt them in South Dakota. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't make sense. It's where are you talking about? Let's be very specific and talk about this because here they're overpopulated. Here they're not. So it's, you know, taking things within context and out of context is the issue. I, I will say I haven't seen it to this degree. I, and you see sensationalist headlines vilifying hunters all the time. Usually it's one hunter, you know, for whatever reason, you know, like Cecil the lion, or it happens a lot when an attractive young woman shoots a leopard or a lion, and that goes viral, and they usually slam the individual. But uh, I haven't seen them take something that was so such a positive thing to change and turn it into. I think it was just any opportunity to just slam Trump was the main thing, and. Uh, that's what they did, and, and in the process, tried to make every hunter look like there was some bloodthirsty savage that would get off on going into a den and clubbing a pup or a cub. Yeah, no, I mean, without a doubt, there's probably, you know, that divisiveness of Trump, um, you know, plays a role in it, and fake news and anything you can say, Trump just amplifies the message, mm -hmm. you know, that they want to portray. So they tie it to that and then move into these you know, unapplicable methods and means of take for sport hunters without ever saying, oh, yeah, this is actually for the indigenous people and biologists. I think a lot of these people live in jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of the same. Well, Brian, uh, we are going to take a quick break here. We'll come back, put a nice little bow on this conversation, wrap things up. Uh, that segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Beer the national beer of Texas. Check out the Rio Jade Mexican-style lager if you haven't already. Uh, you should be able to find it on shelves near you. 
pairs well with any Tex-Mex dish with a lime without doesn't matter it's the Rio Hottie I love it and you will too Lone Star Beer the national beer of Texas we'll be right back with more from Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance on the Lone Star Outdoor Show Honey, don't you be yelling at me when I'm cleaning my gun I'll wash the blood off the tailgate when deer season's done We got one more weekend to go And I'd like to kill one more Hey guys, Cable here for QuietCat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. QuietCat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a QuietCat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, QuietCat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. I could bitch, I could cry, I could lay down and die, but that ain't gonna happen tonight. There's nothing to it. I'm drinking through it. There's a little Jack Ingram bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Lone Star Beer. I'm your host, Cable Smith, thanking each one of you for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking outdoors with you. So uh, thank you for making it a point to spend a part of your week with me as we've still got Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance here with us today. We're going to wrap up that conversation momentarily and this segment is brought to you by lone star ag credit you know land is the one thing they're not making any more of but we all want it right it's human nature so if you're in a position to make that dream a reality lone star ag credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own slice of paradise for over 100 years they'll do the same for you and you can find them at lonestaragcredit.com picking it back up here with brian lynn of sportsman's alliance you know brian I think the thing to take away from today's conversation is how important this reversal in Alaska's wildlife management policy is. And there's a lot of factors why, but number one, the precedent that was set by the Obama administration, a.k.a. the feds, to come in and say, look, we know we had this deal in place with with you when you became a state, but we don't care about that. Actually, we don't care about anything that benefits you we're taking control and you can basically kiss our asses. And it's huge. It was a huge precedent because they could do it where they have all these federal compacts in place in Alaska. And we're talking again, as much public land as the size of Montana. Mm -hmm. If they could do it there, they could then come down to the lower 48 and be like, Hey, we have precedent. We did this in Alaska. 
and we can do it on BLM land, Forest Service land. We can do it on all these lands and then just move through the West and the East and move across the country and say, nope, we have precedent to do this. This is our, we have the power to do this. So this is one we had to stop. We had to win mm-hmm. and we got that through. So that was a, it's a huge victory for us and for sportsmen everywhere the ramifications that could have come down the line from it. Well, we're going to have to stop calling it BLM land because every time I see BLM <laughs> now, I'm like, oh, cool. What unit are we talking about? Who's going elk hunting? And they're like, no, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> not that I don't support that the, the movement, you know, but uh, to me, BLM always meant Bureau of Land Management. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now it's like uh, every time I see it, I have to catch myself. So we're not talking about elk hunting? Okay, then I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, so that was the big thing. That's that's the big news for us and something we've been fighting for the last four years now. Mm-hmm. So that's one of our federal lawsuits is settled. So that's that's good news. And we'll keep hammering away on, you know, the wolves in the Great Lakes and delisting the uh, grizzly bear in the Yellowstone ecosystem outside of the park. So this, those three states can manage those bears again. Um, we did just do oral arguments there uh, before the court, and we'll see how that goes. It uh, was positive that they were asking questions, and the, the judge, the three-judge panel was asking questions and digging into what we were saying and what the feds were saying. So we'll keep moving forward there, and then we'll see what happens out in New Jersey with uh, black bears on state public land. So those yeah, are, that one's uh, been in the got one suit put away. What is I know what your take is on Colorado wolf reintroduction. What kind of alerts would you guys have in place for that as that as we get closer and closer to that November vote? Uh well first, you know, let's see what happens there. Uh we were at uh you know, shot show last year and it was kind of an interesting Secretary Barnhart was there. Uh, talking to some media and industry folks that were at, at the meeting. And he said, well, they can go ahead and do it if they want to, but they still have to get federal approval to do it. And, and that's just not going to happen. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So, you know, it, uh, they can go ahead and pass it, but they can't just introduce wolves because the state, you know, because Denver said they want to. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. Well, and you think about the surrounding states too that would be affected by that and i'm sure that they don't want that juju Here's on them the thing though the wolves are already moving in yeah. they've already got them documented uh-huh. they documented a lone wolf and then i think they just identified a pack so they're not even reintroducing anything that the, they're moving in already why not let nature take its course and put a management place in plan now where there's only a few and manage it so you you get them where you want to yeah because that would make sense, and they couldn't stop it then, because there would be a management place plan in place. If they do it by ballot initiative, and they get to control the narrative and control what hurdles they put in place and what thresholds to be reached, which will never be reached, and they can keep moving it. Moving well, and if they were, they we would see history repeat itself, like we did with uh, the other three: Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. And you know, you you said don't blame the feds as much as the animal rights groups and stuff like that that would start suing them. And I understand that's a big part of it too, but um, there's, there's a broken system. It's Take a the Wyoming circuit it's court free. judge that reversed the, the grizzly bear hunt. I mean, the people's names have been drawn. They're gearing up to go for these hunts. And then here's this guy who, he, I don't even think he was in Wyoming, lives in Wyoming. He just was like, no, we're actually not going to do that. <laughs> okay. 
well, listen, dude, biologists said they need to they need to have this hunt to control the population of grizzly bears. Nah, I don't really care. We're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Makes me feel no, good to just say no. Tricky. Yeah. You know, and actually, this was something I wrote on uh, in our latest issue of Sportsman's Monthly, and it's a tact that's been going on now is there are schools, law schools across the country that are now specializing, specializing having specialized tracks in animal rights law. And Bob Barker, former host of The Price is Right, mm-hmm. he has given $10 million to uh, different schools, a million dollars a pop, to UCLA, Harvard, uh, Stanford, and other schools to ensure that animal rights law is being taught um, within their schools, within their law schools. Mm. And his main, he even said it, the main goal is to educate them on this, open their mind to it, so that when they go and practice law, they're more accepting of it, will represent people and animals and whatever, and then those lawyers become judges who get to rule on these things, and if they don't become judges, they often become legislators who get to make the laws. So he's playing the long game. He's 96 years old, playing the long game, and already getting ready to seed the bench and seed the political process with people who are open to animal rights. Well, you know, Adam Sandler should have just done us all a favor and just can finished beating his ass in Happy Gilmore and we wouldn't have to deal with it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Old Bob Barker. Ah. Yeah, I mean, he's given $10 million for that. He's given $5 million to Sea Shepherd, which goes out and, you know, harasses whaling boats and that's that, you know, the yeah. whaling from the is anything, but the tactics they use are akin to terrorism yeah um i've seen know, it. i think it's on every channel i've seen it i, I can yeah. only watch one or two episodes and i was like oh god these yeah these nut jobs you know, are interfering with the, these other people these these fishermen's right to make a living um yeah yeah you know a, from another country yeah you know, and, and then he gave two million dollars to PETA to fund their uh the building in uh west los angeles which houses their media output and their youth initiatives and you want to see some crazy stuff, go look on the PETA 2, the number 2 website, and their messaging to kids, high school and under. Uh, it's it's eye-opening. I saw uh, I saw one of their billboards. Uh, it was I think it was a digital one, but it was like a, it, it had a kid holding like a cigar or a cigarette. It was like, you wouldn't let your kids smoke. Why would you let them eat meat? You know, PETA. Oh, they've made comic books that says your mommy's a killer and has a mom holding up a decapitated rabbit, you know, like bleeding and chasing their kids around. I mean, it's just, uh, it's indoctrination and shock value and everything else. So it's an uphill fight and they're taking the, uh, the long-term approach, you know, indoctrinating kids with messaging, hitting laws, hitting, you know, lawsuits, hitting legislators. Uh, emotional messaging, and then the other side is they got money to lobby and do ballot initiatives as well. And make no mistake about it, none of that money ever goes back into the things that they say they love. It's all just it's all just fundraising, so yep. they can create more propaganda and more kid smoking imagery, telling that you know, hey, and pass more laws and pass more ballot initiatives and mm-hmm. file more lawsuits. Well, you know what. At least Alaska got squared away, and uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll end on a high note and just say we're, we're thankful for that. Um, yeah, that, that reversal. And, and while, like you said, it, it doesn't really affect trophy hunters or sport hunters. Um, it does give management ability back to the state, which is where it should be. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Hey, um, what is the, uh, what's, what's y'all's Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Where can people find you? Yep. You can just look us up on all of them. Sports men's Alliance, M E N apostrophe S sports men's Alliance and sportsmensalliance.org is the website. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is so chauvinistic. When are y'all going to change to sports person? It's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Sportsman's Alliance, I'm a big fan. Um, thanks for all that you do. And we will look forward to uh, the next notification. Yeah. Thank you for everything and getting the message out there, man. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. There he goes, our good friend Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. I'm a huge fan of theirs and find their work to be absolutely necessary. Um, whether you support the NRA or not, there's no doubt that uh, they stay on top of legal action being taken against the Second Amendment. And, you know, Sportsman's Alliance is that and then some when it comes to monitoring every piece of anti-hunting legislation across 50 states and also on a federal level as well. So um, certainly a need for the services they provide, the hunting and trapping communities specifically. Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for dang near a decade now. They are great friends of mine, and not only are they impeccable taxidermists, but Josh is also a captain guiding uh, charter fishing trips out of Port O'Connor and Axis hunts right now as well. And it's uh, it's the rut. The big bucks are fired up. They've shed out velvet. And if you're looking for an Axis hunt or, say, a trophy red fishing trip, uh, just find Josh at gr8mounts.com. Up next, we're going to head to the Lone Star Outdoor Show Kitchen. I came up with... Uh, two new turkey recipes this week. And so if you've still got part of a gobbler put away in the freezer from this spring, you are not going to want to miss these. I guarantee you that. What is that old Cajun chef? I guarantee it. I can't remember his name, but I remember watching him as a kid. Some of y'all may remember him. Uh, that's totally random. But anyway, we'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hi, right, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at 3curl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Said you needed this. Are you pissed that you missed the very last kiss from my lips and I? 
You know how you're getting old? When you uh, turn it on one of your favorite records. That's Wilco uh, Must Be High from AM. And that was released in 1995. I would have been in uh, junior high, eighth grade probably. And so uh, anyway, Cable Smith here. It's not the... uh, it's not the receding hairline. It's not the wrinkles on a well-weathered face. No, it's it's the music that makes me that that dates me. I'll put it that way. I don't know. Maybe some of y'all feel the same way. Thanks for being here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. By the way, during the break, I figured out the uh, the old Cajun chef that I was referencing. I guarantee, Justin Wilson. Yeah, I guarantee. And there's his signature line that he closed every cooking show with and that had to be the first cooking show that I ever saw no doubt and at the time it really didn't leave a a lasting impression I just thought it was a cool show with a dude with a funny accent and uh, I didn't pick up a passion for the kitchen until I really started hunting religiously 15 years ago and decided you know I need to eat most of my meals from things that are in my freezer and and so that's what happened this week I pulled out one of the the turkeys that I shot in South Texas, and I'm going to tell you what I did with them because, man, they were on fire. One of them literally was on fire. Uh, but first, this segment brought to you by First Light and the Guide Light Short. It is seriously what I've been living in just about every day. I need to get another pair. I think I have two, and I wash them each about once a week. Uh, but from scouting in the turkey woods to fishing to, you know, hanging out on the patio, drinking a few beers with your friends, uh, they're casual enough for that as well. It's the Guide Light Short, available in all First Light's traditional camo patterns and uh, as well as the new ash gray. You can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. All right, so let's talk about these culinary explosions and uh, I you know I think generally my cooking is pretty good this one blew me away and it, it was a little more in-depth than the second one but it was essentially the tenderloins from the turkey and those are those little tiny cutlets that you're going to find behind the breast of any wild game bird even dove something as small as a dove have them as well um but with a turkey, those are big enough for a meal, and and it's not attached completely to the breast. So you'll know it when you see it. Most of y'all probably already know what I'm talking about. Um, but you take those cutlets, you tenderize them with a mallet, and then I soaked them in milk uh, for a few hours, pulled them out, pat them dry a little bit, and then dunk them in Louisiana fresh fry breading or batter. And you might think that's weird, but man, I use Louisiana fish fry for all kinds of wild birds and of course fish as well. It really gives a nice crispy uh, outer layering to whatever it is you're frying up and it doesn't get soggy and fall apart, which is what I like. Oh, and one other important note, those cutlets, every, every one of them has this in a turkey. They do have a big piece of silver skin that runs right down the middle of them. You can get in there with your fingers and actually pull that out and not completely separate the meat. So it'll be like a little vein, a little open spot right there where you where you remove that silver skin. That's fine. You don't want that in there. It's chewy as hell. But after that, into the fish fry they go. 
and straight into a piping hot skillet of olive oil. Brown them up, take them out, toss them in your favorite buffalo sauce. And uh, I use Pete's Texas Red Hot Sauce, I think is what it's called. That's my favorite. But whatever your favorite buffalo sauce is, um, toss them in the bowl. And when they are good and covered, pull them out, slap a slice of whatever your favorite cheese is on only one. Oh, you could do two, but this sandwich has a lot of calories. Uh, you take the toasted bun out of the oven, add three or four strips of bacon in between the two cutlets, pickles, and homemade ranch dressing. It is the wild turkey buffalo bacon ranch sandwich of your dreams. I'm not kidding you. It was the best buffalo anything that I've ever eaten. Uh, so that is the first thing. And you can make one Mondo, I mean, enormous sandwich with the two tenderloins. You can make two sandwiches if you are a little more health conscious, which I certainly was not on that day. Uh, the next preparation, a little more health conscientious. And uh, this was wild turkey breast pulled tacos. So easy. Three ingredients, all you need for the turkey breast. You've got your silver skin removed. You've got two adult Tom turkey breast. Take them, put them in the crock pot on high. Pour two Lone Star beers in there. Pour two cans of your favorite hot sauce or salsa. I used Clint's Texas uh, salsa. And then a little bit of Tex-Mex seasoning from Texas Select Seasonings. Actually, I dust that on the breast before I put it in the crock pot. Those are the only three ingredients. Turn it on high, walk away, come back eight to 10 hours later. It is fall apart goodness. And here is the, the thing that really took the dish over the edge. Of course, you're going to serve on flour or corn tortillas, whatever you prefer. I made for the first time a cabbage slaw, red cabbage slaw, and it had literally five ingredients. It had Diced red cabbage, sliced super thin carrot, and green onion. The chives, just chop those up. And then honey, Dijon mustard. The honey gives it a little bit of uh, sweetness and a mango vinaigrette. You could also use a pineapple vinaigrette, an apple vinaigrette, but some kind of citrusy vinaigrette. Mix that all together in a mixing bowl. Set it in the fridge for 15 minutes to an hour just till it's chilled. Serve on top of those pulled turkey tacos. Oh my God, I had uh, both, I had my brother, sister-in-law, sister, and a friend over for dinner on Sunday. There were no leftovers, and we all ate more than we should have. Uh, so super easy. There's like a total of eight ingredients between the slaw and the, uh, the turkey preparation. Uh, just basically a, a walk-away type deal, under 30 minutes prep for one of the best tacos um, you'll ever have. And you could, with both of these recipes, you could sub out pheasant or quail you just have to have a lot more than one in the freezer so and henry oh my gosh the kid he eats everything but uh, those tacos and he was like dad these are so good can you do this again next week i'm like well son that was the last of the turkey so not until next spring but uh there you have it the buffalo bacon ranch wild turkey sandwich and the pulled turkey tacos you can find both of them uh, on the website if you want more detail but pretty much laid it all out there for you and oh yeah on the slaw the uh the honey dijon i used two tablespoons and half the bottle of i think it was like a, a eight ounce bottle of vinaigrette 
for this long. Someday, if I ever get that cookbook finished or started, really, <laughs> those two will certainly make the cut. Uh, that is going to do it for today, guys and gals. We are flat out of time. That segment was brought to you by John X Safari's 2021 date is booked going July 23rd through the 30th. If you want to be a part of an epic adventure to South Africa hunting planes game with me, just shoot me an email, Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. It's too late. It's all gone. You had